Today is March 14th, 2021, and this is episode number 44 of Blurred Laws and Life with me, your host, Richard Bush. I hope you all enjoyed episode number 43 of Blurred Laws and Life, which contained my interview of Glenn Schweitzer and Scott Schreer discussing the disabling disease that afflicts 50% of all musicians' tinnitus or tinnitus. I hope some of you who listened to it found it useful, and while I certainly hope none of you suffer from tinnitus, if you do or if you know someone who does, I would hope that you would pass along um, that podcast and Glenn Schweitzer's information because um, he is a miracle worker in this area and I just hope that someone who might suffer from it gets his name and information and gets the help that they of course need and if we can be of some service in that regard it will make me feel very good. Now moving on from that feel-good introduction and my thanks to Glenn and to Scott for bringing this to our attention. I'm now going to turn to a much darker subject, and that is my complete and utter hatred for Robert Valdez. Those of you who listen to Blurred Laws in Life know that Robert Valdez is my nemesis. He is my arch enemy, only rivaled by Polo de Don. Robert is in my fantasy football league, and year after year, he somehow ends up beating me in fantasy football, usually toward the end, usually in the playoffs. And I have just about had it with him. Hate is a strong word but it is particularly applicable for my feelings towards Robert Valdez. Now, why do I bring this up on episode number 44? Why am I focusing my attention in my podcast on Robert Valdez? The name just rolls off the tongue. It's a, it's just as distasteful coming out as it is going down the thought of Robert, and then having to say his name. But the reason why I bring this up, the reason why I make mention of Robert Valdez on this episode of Blurred Laws in Life is because if you all listen to episode number 42, I believe, of Blurred Laws in Life, you heard me list following my interview of Michael Rappaport in episode number 41, my five top movies of all time and my five favorite songs of all time. And in listing my five favorite songs of all time, I did it off the top of my head. I said that one of my top five songs was Rupert Jones's Escape, the Pina Colada song. It is a lovely song. It is a beautiful song. It has a sweet message, and I happen to really enjoy it. I did not think that Robert Valdez would become relevant to my 
listing of that song in my top five. But a day or two after episode number 42 was released, where I said that Rupert Jones's Escape, the Pina Colada song, was one of my top songs of all time, I received a text message from Mr. Valdez. And it said simply this, if you like Rupert Jones's version of Escape, you're in for a treat if you listen to the one from Rupert Holmes. I really like him. It's much better. <sighs> yes. Taking me into Correction Corner. It is not Rupert Jones who wrote and recorded the Pina Colada song. It is, of course, Rupert Holmes. And this despicable excuse for a human being, Robert Valdez, who stifles me year after year in fantasy football, took such happiness and pride in sending me that text message to mock and humiliate me for saying it was Rupert Jones's escape, the Pina Colada song, and not Rupert Holmes. Well, Robert, I stand corrected. Yes, there is no Rupert Jones. Yes, it's Rupert Holmes. And yes, you caught Richard Bush in a mistake by listing or identifying or saying that one of his favorite songs of all time is Rupert Jones's Escape, the Pina Colada song, when in fact, I admit, it is in fact Rupert Holmes. I hope you relish this moment, Robert. I hope you take great pride and happiness in this moment, Robert, because you will never, ever, as God is my witness, catch me in a mistake ever again. So enjoy your moment of glory and happiness because it is fleeting. And next year's Fantasy Football League will be my time to get revenge on you, you sorry sack of a human being. Now let's move on to episode number 44 of Blurred Laws and Life. struggling with what I was going to discuss in this week's episode of Blurred Laws and Life. But over the weekend, I believe it was Friday night or Saturday, I have the USA Today app on my iPad. And I opened it up, and on the front page was a series of stories, some of them legally based, others not so much, but just an indictment on today's society, back to back to back stories, all on the front page that were so shocking that they in a row all 
in my mind, deserved mention on Blurred Laws in Life because they in some way involve the law. In some ways, they follow up on things we've discussed. They're all relevant to the things that have been happening in this country over the past month or two. And they all deserve mention, but they bothered me so much. And they were just right in a row, each one, one next to the other, that in my mind actually represents a shocking indictment in the world in which we now currently live. You know, I am an optimist by nature. I really am. But I read these things and I just don't know what has gotten in to people sometime. So I thought each one deserved mention. I thought each one deserved the light shed on them because of how nasty some of these stories were. And I thought that they all made for interesting discussion on blurred laws in life. So in order, and this is in no particular order, but these are the stories that were literally on the front page of the USA Today this weekend. First, in Oklahoma, an announcer during an online broadcast for a high school girls basketball game reacted to the young ladies kneeling during the national anthem by saying, quote, they're kneeling, question mark, effing N-word. Of course, he said those words out loud, said Matt Rowan, the owner and operator of the streaming service OSPN. And he was speaking about the Norman girls basketball team. He went on to say, quote, I hope Norman gets their ass kicked, F them, repeating racial slurs thereafter. Now, I know that this country is divided, and I know that kneeling during the national anthem brings out the worst in some people. Of course, the irony is that we have First Amendment rights, and we have the right as American citizens to kneel during the national anthem to make a statement. Some people don't like that, but that is what makes America, America, that you can actually do that. And to have someone then attack high school girls exercising their First Amendment rights like that is, quite frankly, despicable. And we wonder why people feel slighted in this country. People feel like they're second-class citizens and treated wrongly based on the color of their skin. But when you have closet racists come out like this and feel like they can say these things on a broadcast with immunity, it's shocking. It is shocking that someone feels as if it is okay in this country and that they will be okay 
to say this out loud on a national broadcast, the fact that he said what he said was shocking enough. The fact that he felt that he could say that and be supported by the people in Oklahoma is even worse. Now, that was shocking enough when I read that in the USA Today. And if that was the only article with a blatant racist comment by someone in public, that would have been bad enough. But right underneath that article, directly underneath that article, was an article entitled, GOP Senator is Glad Capital Rioters Weren't Black Lives Matter. And this is what Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin said. Senator Ron Johnson, a United States senator, stated publicly on a podcast that those who stormed the U.S. Capitol in January didn't worry him, but that he might have been concerned if they had been supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement. This was Senator Johnson, a United States senator's quote. I knew those were people who love this country, that truly respect law enforcement, would never do anything to break the law. So I wasn't concerned, end quote. Johnson, this is from the USA Today, Johnson said about the predominantly white crowd that marched the U.S. Capitol to overturn a presidential election and triggered an assault that left five people dead, 140 police officers injured, and windows smashed. Senator Johnson went on to say, quote, Now, had the tables been turned and Joe, he was speaking to his interviewer, this is going to get me in trouble, had the tables been turned and President Trump won the election and tens of thousands of Black Lives Matter and Antifa, I might have been a little concerned. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why doesn't he just come out and say it? The Capitol rioters were white, so therefore he's not afraid of them, while the Black Lives Matter protesters are predominantly black. He basically said it. He didn't just basically say it. He said it. These stories get buried, but this is one of the most disgusting and despicable comments. You know, I keep saying that. I keep repeating when I hear Rudy Giuliani say something or Donald Trump say something, but this is one of the most overtly racist and despicable comments I think I have ever heard, and ignorant. The insurrectionists who stormed the Capitol building, leaving Capitol Police dead, and having the U.S. Vice President hiding for his life and chanting for his death, and leaving other senators cowering and hiding, fearing for their lives, are peaceful people who would never break the law when they were there to try to overturn a democratic election that President Trump lost fair and square? Is he out of his mind? And to be able to say that 
without being censored, without being ridiculed, without being exposed. People wonder why African-American citizens in this country are angry, why they feel as if they are treated as second-class citizens. You have a United States senator claiming that the people who broke into the Capitol building and left the senators scurrying for their lives, leaving people dead and injured, never would break the law and love this country while trying to overturn the presidential election for the president of the United States? Is this a joke? And you have a basketball announcer publicly saying the N-word as if that is okay, and we wonder why people are upset, why people are protesting, why people feel like second-class citizens in this country. This is 2021. This is not 1860, 1750, or even 1960. This is 2021, and the stupidity and hatred and vile comments are shocking. I know this is blurred laws in life, and I know that this the focus of this podcast has been on legal issues, but these are legal issues because the people who stormed the Capitol building are being arrested. They are being charged. They are being indicted. We still await claims for conspiracy to commit insurrection. And yet Senator Ron Johnson says he wasn't concerned because they are people who love their country, who truly respect law enforcement, and who would never do anything to break the law? Is this man insane? That's a rhetorical question. Not since Governor Wallace of Alabama in the past 60 years am I aware of such an overtly racist comment by such a public politician, especially a U.S. senator. Governor Walls was famous for being a segregationist who tried to defy the United States government when they desegregated the University of Alabama, standing in the way of African-American students going to the University of Alabama. He's famous for his racist and segregationist views. I don't know of any politician, U.S. politician, he was the governor of Alabama. I don't know of any U.S. politician who has ever said anything so overtly racist, a U.S. senator since that time. I'm sure there have been. And I'm sure if we looked at comments being made recently from others, we can find examples. But what is happening in this country, this division and this rhetoric, if we are not careful, is going to severely damage this democracy. And comments like those by Senator Johnson, ignorant, racist comments like those have no place in the U.S. Senate and have no place in this country. Now, continuing on this theme, right next to those two articles in the USA Today, right next to the Oklahoma high school basketball announcer, right next to Senator Johnson's comments, racist, overtly racist comments, was an article about a new Kentucky law 
that was enacted in light of protests over the Breonna Taylor killing by police officers. So in response to that and the protests that have emerged as a result of that, the Kentucky State Senate passed a bill just the other day making it a crime to quote-unquote provoke an officer verbally to the point it could provoke a violent response. Now, this is particularly relevant to blurred laws in life because that is clearly, in my mind, an unconstitutional statute. That is a direct violation of the First Amendment. It makes it a crime to provoke an officer verbally to the point it could provoke a violent response. What does that even mean? It is clearly meant to be applied to situations involving riots where protesters are yelling at police officers. The law goes on to say that a violator will face up to 90 days of imprisonment if he or she, quote, accosts, insults, taunts, or challenges a law enforcement officer with offensive or derisive words or by gestures or other physical contact that would have a direct tendency to provoke a violent response from the perspective of a reasonable and prudent person. So what does that mean? Does that mean if someone were to say, hey, Officer Smith, your mama is ugly or your mama is fat? Or, I saw your mama at the welfare office. Or, Officer Smith, you are ugly. U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. You're ugly. Not only is this clearly a violation of the First Amendment to make it a criminal offense to use words that could provoke a violent response without any real definition of what that might be, is clearly meant to restrict protesters who have been out on the streets in Kentucky protesting Breonna Taylor's murder. It's a direct response to that. Would we be enacting such a law if it were people protesting Donald Trump's loss for president of the United States? No, because those are people who would never break the law. The Democrats in Kentucky have said they were befuddled by the legislation as laws are already on the books to deal with the violent rioters. Law professors have chimed in and said that, as I mentioned, the bill violates the First Amendment and also the Fourth and Fourteenth Amendments to the Constitution, including free speech, equal protection, and due process. And as I was about to say, there is a doctrine under constitutional law that can invalidate a law on the basis of vagueness. Commentary has been that this law is too vague and broad. And if challenged, the United States Supreme Court would probably invalidate the law on the vagueness doctrine. It's too vague for the average citizen to understand, said Jeffrey Stone, a professor at the University of Chicago Law School. This bill, commentators have said, would, of course, chill permissible protected speech 
because a reasonable person wouldn't know what behavior was prohibited or permitted. Michael Abate, a First Amendment attorney, said, quote, when you start putting criminal offenses on insulting a particular type of government employee, that law is going to be unconstitutional in all of its applications. He went on to say, quote, it gives far too much discretion to individual police officers to make arrests when their feelings are hurt. He said, this bill is so vague and so broad that someone could be criminally charged for just saying they don't like the police. I think it's dangerous because we see police already using existing laws to overcharge protesters. This new statute could open the door for them charging based on their own feelings and how threatened they perceive themselves to be, end quote. The bill and the law, the proposed law, is bad enough, but the context in which it is being enacted, in my view, shows that it's clearly a racially based law. I guarantee you that if these were white protesters protesting for whatever that Donald Trump lost and they don't like it, that we would not be seeing this type of law being enacted no matter what they were doing. Even if they were storming the United States Capitol building, people being murdered, people being assaulted to overturn an election, we wouldn't have new laws being enacted in the state of Kentucky. Now, if those three articles weren't disturbing enough, right next to these three articles was another that caught my eye. The headline was, quote, maskless urinating flyer faces possible prison $250,000 fine. And the article in the USA Today read, a Colorado man accused of disrupting an Alaska Airlines flight from Seattle to Denver by refusing to wear a mask and then standing up and urinating in the cabin faces a federal charge of interfering with a flight crew and attendance that carries a maximum term of 20 years in prison and a possible $250,000 fine. Yes, the gentleman refused to wear his mask. The article explains the flight attendant asked him while he was napping he swatted her away with his hand and then stood up and urinated in the cabin. Now, that would be shocking if it weren't for the article that was right underneath that one. In an article right underneath that article in the USA Today was an article entitled Woman Charged with Pepper Spraying Uber Driver. You all probably heard about this one. It was all over the news. A woman was arrested Thursday for pepper spraying an Uber driver who asked she and her two friends in the back of the Uber car to put on their masks. And when they refused, not only did they pepper spray him, but they were seen on video because he put on his cam purposely coughing right on the Uber driver and insulting him while also pepper spraying him and slapping him on the back of his head. If you saw the video, it was really shocking. She and one other person accosted this Uber driver 
for having the audacity to ask them to put on their mask. People are losing their minds. Now, the final article that caught my eye right on the same page as each of the ones I just read was one about a lottery winner, lottery winners being defrauded out of their lottery winnings to the tune of $70 million in various schemes perpetrated by a lawyer and three other men. One of the four is identified as a soldier in the Genovese crime family, a mafia group. The extortion scheme involved allegedly threatening torture and potentially killing the wife and child of a jewelry merchant who had been sent some of the lottery winner's money as an investment, according to the indictment. So this involves the winning of a $70 million lottery ticket and then a scheme by four individuals to threaten the winner and others and extort them to steal the money. Those were the articles on a single page in the USA Today this weekend. That is what is going on in this country. I am not shocked by many things, but the subject matter of each of these stories back to back to back in the USA Today, the disregard that people are having for their fellow citizens and people feeling emboldened to make overtly racist comments is something that is truly disgusting and despicable. We have to do better. We must do better. Because this cannot continue. Last, but not least, and I made mention of this in episode number 42 of Blurred Laws in Life, while not really discussing it beyond making mention of it, is the fact that the New York State Attorney General's Office won a pretty significant victory in securing Donald Trump's tax returns. And now, news out of New York, and this comes via a tweet from the former president's former attorney, Michael Cohen, he has been interviewed seven times by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. And he tweeted over the weekend that this, quote, isn't good news for Mr. Trump. According to the reports, in a tweet Saturday, Mr. Cohen shared a report in which former U.S. Attorney Joyce Vance was quoted telling MSNBC's Ali Velshi that Mr. Cohen's multiple recent interviews with Manhattan DA prosecutors is not good for Trump. Mr. Cohen retweeted that in a tweet from his personal Twitter account. 
Vance is a legal expert who served as the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Alabama. And in an interview just this Saturday morning, Joyce Vance commented on why, according to recent reports, the Manhattan District Attorney had interviewed Mr. Cohen seven times. And this is what Joyce Vance stated, quote, Michael Cohen can explain a lot of the evidence the Manhattan DA has in hand. He may have been around a lot of the transactions. He may be able to look at the underlying taxes and tell them who was in the room. He can help guide them to the best evidence and help them understand transactions that may have been criminal conduct. The fact that he's been there seven times and is rumored to be going back for an eighth time is not good news for Trump, period, end quote. The criminal inquiry now, according to what I understand, is focused on establishing whether the Trump organization, the umbrella company for Trump's businesses, committed tax, insurance, and other financial crimes. Back in February, the investigation won a key legal victory, as I mentioned a moment ago, when the United States Supreme Court threw out Mr. Trump's attempt to deny them access to the tax returns and other financial records he has long shielded from public view. Mr. Cohen told Yahoo News last year that Trump could face possible tax fraud charges if his financial dealings ever came to light. So I certainly expect charges to arise. And even though he was president of the United States, Mr. Trump does not enjoy immunity from prosecution for these crimes because they occurred obviously outside of his role as president of the United States. If Mr. Trump is charged, he will be the first president that I'm aware of to be charged criminally following his departure from office. Of course, nothing is certain and no charges may arise and we will have to see what happens. But certainly on Blurred Laws in Life, this is a topic worth following. I hope you've enjoyed this episode number 44 of Blurred Laws in Life. All of you except, of course... For Robert Valdez. I don't enjoy shining the light on this bad behavior that I went over tonight, summarized on blurred laws in life, but I'm a firm believer that we must put a microscope on bad behavior and expose it because if we just ignore it, sweep it under the rug, People will continue to do these things. And only by holding people accountable, the dude who decided to urinate on a plane because he didn't want to wear his mask, criminally charging him, criminally charging people who pepper spray a poor Uber driver and cough on him in the middle of a pandemic and expose them exposing racist behavior like that of Senator Johnson and the announcer in Oklahoma. Can we make this world 
better place. But all news was not bad today on March 14, 2021. The Grammys were tonight, and I am so happy to report that my client and friend, the great, the legendary James Taylor, won a Grammy Award for American Standards. Yes, at 73 years of age. His birthday was just on March 12th. Just the other day, he actually shares a birthday, March 12th, with my youngest daughter, Jackson. James Taylor won a Grammy Award. The world is actually a great place, and we can do better and we will do better. But actors who behave in these ways have to be exposed. They have to be called out. And they have to be held accountable. Much like I've held Robert Valdez accountable on episode number 44 of Blur Laws and Life. I'll talk to you all next week. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Blur Laws and Life, where we now have, get this, 200. And 28 followers. Talk to you all next week. Have a great week and stay safe out there. And we'll be here next week on Blurred Laws and Life. <laughs>